Hello and welcome to the Falcon at Footy Podcast. I'm your host, Clarky, and joining me, as always, I've got Jesse. Hello. And I've got Chris. Hello. Now, gentlemen, we continue our wonderful dive into each team, and we talk to some fans, get some experts, cover some favorite moments, favorite players, and look, listeners, if you've stuck along with us, it's been a journey. I think we can safely say that, and this week we're talking about none other than the Sydney Swans. And joining us this week, we've got our wonderful expert, Deebs, from the True Bloods podcast. G'day, Clarky. G'day, boys. Thanks for having us on. There's nothing more I love than talking about my club, the Mighty Swannies, so thanks for having us on. It's nice to have another expert. It's it's really difficult on the episodes, and the listeners will know this. That there's a couple episodes recently that we haven't, because we didn't math it properly, we haven't had experts in for, and they're a lot tougher, so it's nice to have you along. Yeah, we, we were struggling to find a, a Sydney guest, and then somehow we got one of the best we could possibly ask for, because I've been checking out your podcast, and I'm not a Sydney man myself, but it is goddamn top-notch, which leads me into a question that I I did say I was going to ask uh, pre-show, and I have put you on the spot a little bit here, because you, you're a little bit nervous about this one. I'm drinking a delicious gin and tonic right now. Your podcast has a gin? What? Yeah, we we do, mate. It's a, it's actually one of the rookies who uh, just signed up for a second year, Jaden McGaw. Um, he's old man, listener of the podcast, and he's actually got his own um, gin distillery over in South Australia. So he hit us up and sort of just, you know, working with us, like we don't do anything with the gin. We just sort of whack our label on it as such. Um, but it was surprising to how well it went last year and how many bottles we sold. Um, there's a lot of lot of people who drink gin. It's a popular drink these days. But, um, yeah, a bit of an interesting story to how that came across, and it's a really good product. Have you tried it? Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm, I'm in all honesty, I'm not a big gin drinker. But the game changer for me was actually changing from tonic to soda. And then a, a gin and soda uh, is really yeah. nice. So, yeah, gr- great drop. On your recommendation, it's now in my cart. Okay. So I'm going to drink <laughs> yeah. some of this True Bloods, <laughs> the faithful gin. Also, just a heads up for anyone listening. If you go to search True Bloods podcast, there's an S at the end because I found a lot of True Blood podcasts as about the vampire. So <laughs> just be careful with what you're searching there. Now, yeah. also, I'm that impressed with your gin that I'm converting for the next hour or so. Oh, hey, how's that? That's a great lid. Great I got lid. the swan's hat on. I'm, I'm, all, I'm all aboard. All aboard the swan's swan strain. Well, if you saw in the media today, mate, we, um, we do have the most supporters in the country, mate, so it's just one more on board. <laughs> There was some questionable math there, but eh, I like it. <laughs> I look, wasn't it? Was it West Coast beforehand, and they had they were including pet memberships, or was that Richmond? It's not membership base. It's like some survey that they do Australia wide, and the Swans have the most supporters nationwide. Just you know, there's for a long time there was only one one team in Sydney, and it's like over one point three million supporters as such but doesn't convert to you know the most memberships but we'll, we'll stand by it anyway okay. western australia australia just miners they can't fill out a form south australia everyone's form got stolen victoria's too many teams all all the stats are broken up queensland never heard of her northern territory never been, never heard of this new south wales has two teams one's been there for 45 minutes and has 11 fans and the other sydney so the math works out one i'd support her at the moment <laughs> 
Yeah, I love it. This is good, Jesse. <laughs> mate, you, you can stay on board all, all year, mate. Done. Do you guys need a third on the podcast? I'm going to jump ship. <laughs> mate, we always need to chop out every now and then. I'd be happy to have you on. Done and done. This is, this is the most concerned conversion that I've ever witnessed. I've never witnessed a live conversion. <laughs> <laughs> you can hear the Age of Empires priest in the background. Yeah. <laughs> it's very faint, but it's there if you're listening. <laughs> Should we get stuck into Sydney? Deebs, tell us, why do you go for the Swans? Yeah, look, it started through my grandparents. Um, they were old South Melbourne supporters um, and then followed them up to Sydney in the 80s. Um, and look, I was born in the in the mid-90s and I've had a, you know, what, what a club to be, you know, born into, you know, supportership as such. Um, we, we've been pretty successful, but... It's quite funny. No one in my direct family, as in my mum, my dad, my sister, goes for the Swans, but my grandparents got me on board um, and, yeah, haven't looked back since. It's been, yeah, very successful, you know, 30-odd years um, that I've been here and, uh, you know, we we continue to, you know, always put in um, a decent effort in, in the seasons and quite successful. So, yeah, just love the club. It's really nice when it comes down from family. We'll find that, look... Being born into it is probably the best way to be born into the bloods, right? <laughs> that makes the most logical sense. But I love that it came specifically from your grandparents following them up to Sydney. Because I imagine, do you have any, you know, re- did you have any reservations about the club sort of being a moved club? Like, I think we had the same question when it came to Brisbane, obviously. Like, do you, do you find that that's changed sort of the way that you view the Swans as a whole? It's funny, you actually, when because I'm 31 now and it's always been Sydney um, since I, I've been born, but if you actually do um, a bit of research into the merger up to Sydney, it, it definitely wasn't all smooth sailing and sort of connecting with a few um, of the older players um, and hearing a few of the stories and, and that type of thing over the years, look, there was definitely some, you know, disjointed times. But I think the more and more time goes along, the more it's sort of solidified. But between, you know, the South Melbourne Swans and they're moving up to Sydney and it's, uh, you know, it's one club. We got the South Melbourne Footy Club on the back of our jumper um, and it'll always be part of the history. So, Debs, take us through. What are your what are your earliest memories of the club? My earliest memories are I'm actually Victorian based, um, so started going to the Swannies games out at Waverley Park, and I can distinctly remember sitting in the stands, you know, mid to late nineties, and just crying my eyes out when we didn't win. Um, that's it. <laughs> sort of the first memories that come come to fruition. I love that. That's such a pure football memory. <laughs> it is. It's it's still devastating now. You know when you you come home of a Friday night, you're pumped. You just want you want your footy club to win, and your weekend's made or broken by how they go. It's such humble beginnings because nowadays Sydney's one of those clubs that just won't go away. Like you, you don't dip off. It's like yeah. it's like you're doing a Geelong but with style, uh, and, and Swans are kind <laughs> of likable. So the last few years have been pretty good for you guys. Yeah, with a few less premierships than Geelong, though, that's the the one downside. We've made it a lot, and I think I've seen five losing grand finals in my time, um, and we know how hard it is to get there. But, yeah, look, we're, we're just ultra consistent, and we get that balance right to, you know, moving old, older players on and bringing younger players in and getting that balance right. You know, in the last 
five years, we dipped down for, you know, that 19 and 20 season. Um, but look, it was in the middle of COVID. It was a great time to do it. Seasons weren't what they were. And um, yeah, it's worked out pretty well and we've rebounded well since. I think it's really good with Sydney as well that they've become a club that's actually easy to like. I think that works really well for you guys. Like I think I think of Sydney and I, I have nothing bad to say unless they beat my team, which is pretty good as far as football clubs go. Yeah, for sure. It's um it's great to be be liked. Um generally, you know, you don't cop too much shit, but you know, the, the more we sort of get into this game of podcasting and that type of thing, there are sort of some podcast wars that go on and it's a bit of fun and you do build <laughs> a bit of a, a hate towards clubs, which is, which makes it – the passion is what makes our game great. So I love it. Come on, Debs, don't, don't hold out on us. Who is it? Who's the, who's the rival of the True Bloods? <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to reignite it. I can't. I can't be bothered. Um... <laughs> By the end of this podcast and your next episode, you'll be like those, those fucking falcon dogs. <laughs> it's good because we're neutrals. You're neutral. It's okay. Oh, I wouldn't go that far. Well, there's definitely some clubs we hate, but we like Sydney. Like, <laughs> I want to hate Sydney a lot. I'm not a big fan of the, the you know the city itself, but the team I, I like, despite the fact that like Luke Parker bullied one of Essendon's players to his face. It was flat out bullying, and I'm like, yeah, but he's, he's he seems like a pretty cool dude still. <laughs> like I, I still <laughs> like Luke Parker. I got sad when he broke his arm. <laughs> oh Jesse, come on, mate. There's no such thing as bullying on a footy field. It's like it's nearly when you're an Essendon no, supporter. There is. <laughs> We're getting beat up by every yeah. team. We got beaten up by St. Kilda in a practice match. It's tough times. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the old May premiers. So can you take us through some of your favourite memories? What what highlights stand out for you? Uh, I think we're, get, we're going to talk about a lot of them, um, you know, coming up. But uh, it, look, at the premierships, seeing, seeing a couple of premierships is, you know, pretty lucky. My, my dad is a St. Kilda supporter um, and he hasn't seen one in his lifetime when he was – you know, a young boy. So to set, to see the success of a flag and I, I just wish I was into the footy in 2012 like I am now. Um, you just know how much it means to a lot of people and not that I, I didn't appreciate it, but it's sort of I think the older you get, the more passionate you get and the more understanding you have of what a flag can mean to not only the club but it's, it's, its supporters. It's... They're the fabric of the club, and mate, I'll, I'll just I'll do anything to see another flag. Now, there's there's probably many players that stick out in your mind. I want you to take me through some of some of the ones that you immediately. Who did you love growing up for the club? Who do you love now? Talk me through them. Yeah, so starting out, it was the likes of like Darren Creswell, um, Paul Ruse, uh, these type of guys. Then moving on to like Goodsy, um, Barry Hall, and then you, you come to the modern day greats of, you know, Ryan O'Keefe loved rock, um, you know, the Buddy Franklin, and then you, then you got the new new guys of Errol Gould and Chad Warner, and they're the ones you start to develop that real love for now. It's um, th- There's been so many throughout the years, and even sort of back when I was playing footy, I actually had um, I, I had a knee injury playing for my local footy club, and one of the ex players there was Stewie Maxfield, and he was known 
for his big left foot and he actually gave me a call at home and said, you know, this is what the operation's about and and that type of thing. So I got a, a lot of love for Stewie Maxfield back in the day as well. Personally, and I, I just want to say this at the top, one of the reasons why the current the current playing group for Sydney are probably all some of my favourite players in the AFL because they were all the first club to walk in the Mardi Gras parade last year. <laughs> and I I really strongly associate Sydney as a very forward club in that aspect in the modern era because they are very pro LGBTQIA and we absolutely love that. So pretty much anyone in your 2023 list gets a pass for me. <laughs> over, over the last few years, like they've really been good with like LGBTQ rights, um, but also like, you know, racial equality. Like we had the whole, we spoke yeah. about Adam Goods uh, last week. They've always been the forefront of like, progression in AFL, which is really important, and they, they do it really, really well. They're a super well-rounded club. I can't believe, I, I don't think I've been this nice to any other club so far. I'm going to put the hat back on. <laughs> yeah, get it back <laughs> on. <laughs> I will say briefly as like a, a tiny redact to uh, last week's episode that St Kilda have also been involved in Sydney and St Kilda played in the first Pride round, which props to St Kilda for also joining in in that. Props, but they're also still very forgettable. Yeah, also still very middle child. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> Fuck Ross Lyon. So, look, we'll hand it over to Jesse, because Jesse's going to take us through some of Sydney's vibes, and Deeps, feel free to correct him at any point. He's only freshly wearing the hat. His earliest memory is 20 minutes ago, so <laughs> keep him in line. For sure, yeah, and I'll, I'll correct when I have to. I have some good vibes for Sydney here. I'm going to start with a classic, a classic vibe, the song, because... A few weeks ago, we did Richmond, and I was uh, corrected by a... Uh, we, we said Richmond has by far the best song. And I was corrected by a, a former guest, Gemma, who said, what about Sydney? And I'm like, I forgot what Sydney's song was, uh, being a fake fan and all. So I went back and listened to it, <laughs> and she may have a point. We'll get to this in a moment. I want to go through the, the history of the song. Now, up until the 60s, the, the, the Swans... The swan song, if you will, was When It's Springtime in the Rockies by American country star Gina Autry. Now, I had listened to it. Not a banger. Um, I will put a little snippet in here for the listeners. When it's springtime in the Rockies, I'm coming back to you. I can tell you, it sounds like a song that they were using a Breaking Bad opening or like a Fallout game trailer. It's very old vibes. <laughs> it's it's pretty garbage. So good thing is they changed it to the, the song that we all know and we'll see how much we love, Cheer Cheer the Red and the White. Now the song played to the tune of the victory song for the no, no, Notre Dame fighting Irish football team in Indiana. Now I know I'm pronouncing that wrong and I frankly don't give a fuck, okay? It was Notre Dame because of the movie. In 1961, the uh, footy club's committee member, uh, Mr. Lynn Lawrence, reached out to the uh, Fighting Irish football team and asked, hey, can we get the copyright to use not only the tune, but also put lyrics over it? Which they did. They did it fine. But then 10 years later, this is sketchy. And I gave this club a lot of, lot of credit a few weeks ago. 10 years later, Port Adelaide, the Dirty Dogs, did the most South Australian thing possible and tried to steal it, okay? They used this tune for ages. Look, they may have gone through the right channels. I don't know. I'm just, this is all conjecture and hearsay. <laughs> but I think they committed a crime in stealing the song. 
They did change it, however, when they entered the AFL in the mid-90s. Cowards. Cowards way up. Exactly. Exactly. Prison. That's, they should be in prison bar. Prison bar jumpers. <laughs> oh, don't start that one. When that comes up every year, I just want to poke myself in the eye. It's um, the worst right. debate ever. Anyway. <laughs> hey, hey, what's your, we got to ask. What's your opinion? <laughs> uh, no, it's. Uh, I feel like it's Collingwood's jumper, so they shouldn't be able to wear it. But I don't. Ooh. I don't really. Ooh, but I, controversial. I don't really care. Like at the same time, <laughs> it is because Port Adelaide tried to steal your club song. Is this vengeance? Yeah, look, I didn't, I didn't know that, but um, yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. <laughs> it's really funny that I think that's the case for a lot of football fans of just like I've got an opinion and people go, oh, I agree or I don't agree, and then followed up with we neither of us care. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like- <laughs> <laughs> now back to the Sydney song. Since the initial song was created, um, there had actually been one minor change. It was actually quite a good change back in 2021. The line, while her loyal sons are marching, was changed to while our loyal swans are marching, just to bring the AFLW team and the Youth Girls program into the fold. Very smart move. Now, I'm going to put the, this question to everyone here. And I know we have one one person here's going to be very, very biased in their opinion on this, which is fair enough. Yeah, me. God damn you, Clarky. <laughs> Look, we still have the West Coast and Doggies episodes to come. Their songs are shit. Don't I don't care. Um, so we've we've gone through all the songs that matter. We need to decide right now which club has the best song. To me, it comes down to between the Tigers and the Swans. What do we think? This is permanent. This means something. This goes into the Constitution of the Falcon. Just start writing soon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're getting a Constitution. We need it. Deeps, I'll let you go first because I think we know which way you're swinging, but I want to hear about how much you love the song. Oh, yeah, I love the song. There's so, see, it's one of those things where it's underrated and you got to listen to it, right? So when you win at the end of the game, it's a relatively short song, so they always play it twice, but in between the songs, the, the, like verse, not verse one, like singing one, singing two, it, they play a banjo. And it's like, yes, I'm yes. like, and I'm like, break out the banjo, and then you lose it, and you're dancing <laughs> with your supporters, and it's um, I, I love building that type of stuff up. But um, look, the Tigers is very good too. But I'll go with the Swannies, but the Tigers in a close second. I'd like to officially state for the record that I never agreed that Richmond was one of the best. Okay, throw out, throw out, you throw but, your vote away. It's a two-party system. <laughs> but I thought you were on my team with that, Jesse, where it was GWS. Oh, yeah, I forgot about GWS. It Chris. was second. No, nah, see, GWS is off for me because of the tab sponsorship. They're in my bad books now. I want to go back and redo that episode. <laughs> I, I have opinions now. now, bad opinions on that club. I am pro Sydney Swans theme. I don't like the Richmond theme that much. I think it's more. I think the Richmond theme is more fun to sing if you're a supporter which is important for your club, but I don't enjoy listening to it. Like, oh, the Sydney Swan thing comes, I'm like, oh, like, the banjo? The banjo great. is- a- love it. It's like a mm. 9 out of 10 just for the banjo. So, look, uh, it's upbeat. I like it. It's it's good. I think I'm voting Sydney. The banjo is like, and this is going to be a small part of the Venn diagram of people who listen to this show. Um, if you know the band Yellow Card- and you're like, oh, yeah, this is good, like, pop rock. And then the violin comes in and like, oh, excuse me, okay. Yeah. It, it does add a little <laughs> bit extra. So the Swan song is 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 powered by that, while the Richmond song is powered by alcohol. 
Because you have to be and drunk to really get into the Richmond song, I think. Having 90,000 people screaming yellow and black is, it's impressive to see powerful. on the ground. Like it, it's powerful, exactly. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I guess like seeing the colours yellow and black in, in, in the jungle, it can mean danger. So it does get the hair from the back of your neck standing up a little bit. It's like, oh, not safe yeah. here anymore. Chris, you've had some questionable opinions about songs and a lot of <laughs> other things. Uh, where do you sit? This is the final decision here. So what are, we, what are your thoughts? I am unfortunately biased against the Sydney song. Uh, I admit it's a good song, and I admit this is completely my my problem. Uh, it was the theme song to my original junior football club that I played for, and then I left that club because there were a bunch of assholes and went to a different club, so now I don't like the song. It's just in, ingrained in me that I don't like the song since I was like nine years old. Um, but the, the thing I'll say about the Richmond song is that it's a good song, but also it's got the thing where when you're on the opposition team and you've lost to it and you hear a bunch of Richmond supporters singing it, it fucking pisses you off. There's not many songs that really kind of grind you like the, the Richmond song do. I would argue that I would feel that way about any Richmond supporter, regardless of what their song is. That's also a good point. That's fair. That's fair. Like a Richmond supporter could sing the Essendon song. I'd be angry. Like... Yeah. It's supportive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if a Sydney person sung sung this, I wouldn't be like, I'd be like, "Yep, you cool. You have a good night, sir. I'm gonna go." <laughs> so, so who 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 are you going for, Chris? Are you going for Richmond? Yeah, Richmond. Okay, so Chris is going for Richmond. Deeb's going for Swans. Cluck, who did you pick? Swans. You pick Swans as well. Well, I mean, yeah. I'll be throwing my vote away if I didn't go for the Swans. But after listening to the Swan song a trillion times today while doing my research for the episode. It is in my head. I do like it a fair bit. It has a bit of class to it. It has a bit of fun to it. So I think, Chris, be damned, we're going to pick the, the song of the Sydney Football Club as the Falcons' song of the year. Let's go. Hottest 100, number one. <laughs> Just, as long as it's not the GWS one. <laughs> no. They broke my heart a few weeks ago. Tab sponsorship. What are you doing, you clowns? Anyway, let's move on yeah, to- who works in that sector? Let's move on to, um, look, this is actually a, bit, a little bit different for my segment because I normally don't focus on an individual. And if I was to focus on an individual, you'd assume I'm going to be talking about a player. But I want to talk about Kenny Williams. Deebs, I'm going to assume you know who Kenny Williams is, but Clarky and Chris, do you have any idea who this gentleman is? I'm aware of Kenny Williams, yes. Chris? I do not know. And when you mentioned it earlier, all I could think of was Kenny Loggins. Well, close. Um, I won't explain how, though. <laughs> Every club needs a character off the field. A, a non-player who just kind of holds the club together. And to me, I think Kenny Williams is probably the strongest opponent of, of that. Now, I didn't know who Kenny was until I saw him in his snow-white hair in the middle of the, of the song, of, of the circle, where the club was belting out the um, song after the 2012 flag win. You may have seen this little dude. Now I know who it his, is. Yeah, exactly. As soon as I said that, you know who he is. Pumping yep. his fist. As soon as you said on. white hair, I was like, oh. The whitest yep. hair. It was just, he was meant to be a Swan supporter. <laughs> now, Kenny was a lifelong fan, a member of the club, obviously, a volunteer and a hydration specialist. We'll get to that in a moment. <laughs> Kenny would go to every game he could with his wife, Yvonne, his daughter, Diane, and every other family member, friend, or acquaintance he could bring along to the game. Just he wanted everyone to love the club as much as he did. Now, today I decided to actually do a bit of research onto the fella. Um, and I just want to tell you a little bit of a little bit of his story, a little bit of a trip down memory lane. 
He's been a fan of this club for so long that he was at the 1933 South Melbourne winning grand final. Okay, he was a proper, yeah. lifelong fan of the club. Um, I also, after reading about his life, I think the club followed him to Sydney in the <laughs> mid forties. Kenny got an offer to work in Sydney. His family was from a bit of a poor um, side of Melbourne, and he need, he wanted to send some money back home. Um, so as an apprentice jockey, he moved up to Sydney to do a few things. Now, yes, he was away from his beloved South Melbourne Football Club, but he also met his future wife in Sydney. Who, they were together for 71 years, him and Yvonne. So I think he's going to be fine with it. But he did miss the club. In 1982, so 30 to 40 years after he moved to Sydney, South Melbourne relocated to Sydney. And not just to Sydney, down the road from where he was living. So the club that he followed all of his life, broken hard to leave them, has followed him to another state. Now, we went back to volunteering for the club, and then one day, Ron Barassi said, quote, get off your ass and run water out to the players. They were a bit short-staffed that day, they needed somebody on, and that position stuck. And this is sort of where his legend in the club grew. He started to refer to himself as a hydration specialist, uh, and became just absolute part of the fabric of the Sydney Football Club. Uh, he was helping out the team during training. He only stopped during COVID. He didn't even stop when he had a minor stroke back in 1987. He just kept going. Now, Rodney Ede helped start the tradition of bringing Kenny into the circle and lead the song after a win, a role he took great pride in after the 05 and 2012 grand final wins. I can I can picture him. It's, if you haven't seen it, go on YouTube. Or I, will, I will put a video of this onto our um, socials. This little dude pumping his fist. It's one of those things that just reminds you how great football can be. Because his passion is and enthusiasm is so good. Hey, that's why I'm wearing a Swans hat right now. Now, in the last few episodes, we've spoken about some so-called fans who were just dicks. And they make the game pretty unpleasant to, to be around. And it can make um, you know the football community seem a bit lousy, I guess. I wanted to bring up Kenny just to remind everyone of how many really good, solid people are involved with football in not just play the coach and stuff like that, but just like as part of the community, they want to make the club a special place for people, make people feel safe for the club. And just like their passion and enthusiasm is so inspiring, basically. Um, so I, I basically, I want to use it as a reminder of like, hey, football fans aren't all bad. They're not all, you know, racist, as we've been talking about in the last few weeks. <laughs> Now, sadly, Kenny passed away in late 2022. Decent innings, though. 93 years old. Um, and the club immortalized him by dedicating two seats. One with Kenny's name on it and one with his wife Yvonne's name on it. Um, in the noble stand at the, MC- at, at the SCG. Now, these two seats are the ones that Kenny and Yvonne sat in at every single game they could go to. They were known for sitting there. Uh, and now they can sort of forever be watching over... Um, the Swannies. I know Yvonne's still going to a, a lot of games, um, and she gets you know she still gets to sit next to Kenny, which is, I think is really sweet. As Michael uh, Michael Lachlan and Adam Good once said in an interview about their good friend Kenny will go down as one of the Bloods' greats. Now, Deebs, you've been involved with the club for a fair while. Did you ever meet the great meet the great fella? Nah, never had the opportunity to meet the great man, but. We did have a few interactions with him online. Um, he had his own Instagram page and stuff that he ran and um, he followed us. Like Whether he listened to our podcast or not, I'm not too sure. 
But, yeah, Kenny is just what footy clubs are built on. Um, He'll live on forever through our club. Like every time the song is sang, you sort of, you hear the boys like when it's like, lift that noble banner high and they sort of drag on the words. That's how (laughs) Kenny used to do it. And, you know, every time we sing the song, you know, you're thinking of Kenny and they're the the memories that are etched in your brain and, um, yeah, post that to 2012 um, grand final. Um, yeah, when he passed last year, we we put that out on the socials and, um, yeah, there was a ripping response. But, yeah, Kenny Williams, what a guy. Yeah, it got to the point. So my partner goes for the, for the Swans and every time he was on on uh, on the TV when Carrie would work, we would just cheer. We didn't know we didn't know about his story. We just cheered because he just seemed like such a nice dude. Um, and then seeing the Swans put those chairs together and I watched sort of the interview with his wife and things like that genuinely got to me. Uh, it's a really, really powerful story. And I think the city football club's an amazing story to sort of um, keep his legacy going. I cried. Well, I cried when I saw that and I'm crying, almost crying. Look at a photo of it right now. It's, it's, it's really, really <laughs> it's sweet. Just, um, I've read a few interviews with him and just his story with his wife is just, it's absolutely beautiful story. So go check that out. However, my segment's not normally that sentimental, so let's do a really fucked up quiz. Um, I've called this one <laughs> "Swanted, Dead or Alive." Okay. Now, often I come up with a quiz name. This, this oh my fucking god, and then I have to work backwards. <laughs> this was a real ninety degree angle. Oh yeah, here. oh yeah. Oh, the hat's coming off. Uh, if if this was a gymnastics move, you wouldn't have stuck the landing. I think oh, your femur would have snapped. <laughs> it would have been like Final Destination. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Originally. I wanted to make this um, quiz about COLA, the cost of living allowance, which became nah. big news a few years ago. What? <laughs> I'm going to say it. <laughs> Look, not about COLA, but the fact that the Swans were punished for using COLA is one of the most nonsense things that ever happened in the AFL, and every oh. fan of the sport should be outraged by it. Oh, my God. And it's fun. It's so frustrating because people just don't understand like, we were given this, and then we were punished for giving it. Like, we were yeah. banned for two years from trading, and it's not even fucking spoken about. It's a joke. Some Once again, this comes up, you know, every couple of, couple of episodes. You get you get onto it somehow. Jeez, it's frustrating. <laughs> well, that's why I'm not going to talk about it, because I was going to find – the whole game was going to be – I was going to find the cost of, like, a Coke in – Coca-Cola, not Coke, not like Sydney Coke, because who knows how much it is. But Coca-Cola in Sydney and compare it to Melbourne. <laughs> However, I tried that. I found it they're basically the same. So yeah, let's get rid of cola. But I am angry about the whole uh, rules sort of being changed on the run by the AFL. So I decided not to do it. I've decided to base it around the whole Swanted Dead or Alive pun that I came up with. So we all know the story about Buddy almost going to GWS and Sydney coming in last minute, 10 year deal come on over. He's been fantastic for the club. He's done so much in regards to marketing and um, bringing people through the gates. And we'll get to that shortly. But in the spirit of, you know, what ifs and what have yous, I've compiled a list of players who almost went to different clubs. I need the three of you to work together as a team to guess which club these players almost went to in everybody's favorite game, Swanted, a Dead or Alive. The first player. <laughs> now I need remember. I need you to tell me what player, what club this player almost went to. They didn't end up at it. They end up another club. But what club did they almost go to? Kurt Tippett. Discuss amongst yourselves. Ooh. It was the. Was it the Gold Coast? 
Okay, or I, th I feel I'm, like I'm happy to try. I'm happy to go with Deves on this one. Yeah, I feel like it yeah, was one the, uh, for some reason. Yeah, for some reason I was gonna say Carlton, but I don't think that's right. I'm happy to go with Gold Coast. Or was it Melbourne-based? I, I don't know, to be honest, but... Um, no, nah, I don't think it's the Gold Coast now that I think about it. I reckon it's someone in Melbourne. I don't know, though. <laughs> Take a stab. Look, it could also be some fucked club, like some... Hey, wait, no, hey, Jesse there are said that thing about... In, in Victoria as well. We've got Jesse Alton. said that thing about robbery earlier happening in South Australia. Maybe it was one of them. <laughs> Was it, um, was it Geelong? South he came Australian from Adelaide, Kyle. though. Well, I mean, look, to, to clear it up. He came from Adelaide, though. Kurt, no, okay, he did come from Adelaide. That's a very, very good point, Chris, for 10 points for you. <laughs> but he did end up at Sydney. So if anyone did the robbery, it was Sydney yeah. in the end. Which club did he almost go to? Yeah. yeah. Let's um, go with Gold Coast. Going to go with Gold Coast? Yeah. Very, very close. In 2012, the Brisbane Lions tried to get Kurt wow. out of the Crows. However, the deal didn't go through. So Tippett walked. This is back when Tip Kurt Tippett could walk. Um, and he ended up at the Swans. He grabbed him for pick 11. <laughs> Next on the list, we have the great man himself, Travis Boak. Where did Bokey almost end up? Geelong. Hey, he seems confident, Chris. Yeah, I think it's sure. He's from I was, I was going to say Essendon, but I think I'm just confusing it with Ollie Wines' situation. Um... I'm happy to go with Geelong. You're locking in Geelong? Lock it in. Fantastic pick. Now, Geelong is correct, and it was pretty controversial, this one. In the middle of 2012, Joel Selwood, Jimmy Bartel, and Chris Scott snuck over the border for a secret cafe meeting with Boki, which caused a huge outcry and a bit of a war of words between the clubs. Um, but look, who gives a shit about Geelong and Port Adelaide? Uh, Boki stayed and went on to become a Port legend. Speaking of legends, quotation marks, Dylan Scheel. Oh, God. Now, that's a 90-degree turn, that one. Um, Sorry, what was that? I went to school with Dill, played footy with him at um, oh. Caulfield Grammar. So, um, Good guy? Yeah, really nice guy. So friend of a friend of the show. Yeah. yeah, friend of a friend. Well, he, he's drafted to the Giants as a 17-year-old and then obviously ended up at Essendon. Where did he almost go? Um, Could it be, it'll it'll be another Victorian was, club, right? Yeah. I can't remember if there was if there was talk at the time and there was Essendon and another club fighting over him or if he almost went the year before, but I feel like there was yeah, another no, club that tried to get him but then Essendon I'm gonna came say in. Carlton. I think it yeah. actually might have been. Yeah, I'm happy with that. I'm just gonna lock in Carlton? Yeah. Two in a row. Back in twenty eighteen, oh, Shield sucky. wanted to become a Don. But after the deal hit a jam between GWS recruiting team and God King President Jesus Adrian Dodoro, Carlton slithered through the door <laughs> like the dirty dogs that they are and tried to steal him away from us. Eventually, Dodo got his man. Um, and he also got Stringer and Saad this year because he just he was playing Scrabble, I guess, in one of all three S's. Um, but it was very close, and it's been a, a fine pick ever since. Moving on to a, a big pick, another player that ended up at Sydney, Tony Lockett. Where did Plugger almost end up? Ooh. Ooh. I have no idea yeah. on this yeah, one. Yeah, this is a well thought out quiz for once, wasn't it? Yeah. I'm getting better at this. <laughs> it's old. <laughs> it's old. Um, the end of 94. Nah. So back in no, 1994, that's a clue in any way. Yeah. 
I don't know. I, I was two, man. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, <probably the> <laughs> Chris, you were like 17 idea. at the time. <laughs> the fuck? I was three. <laughs> uh, um, let's so see. Was I. Let's, uh, okay. <laughs> let's narrow it down to a dog club. Collingwood. Sorry, Dave. Collingwood? Yeah, dog, dog club. club. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Dave's knew what Dave's knew what I was throwing down. So you're gonna, I'm with you're gonna lock in Collingwood? Yeah, go. Yeah, why not? It's like a Collingwood or a Richmond or Carlton or someone. Yeah, everyone knew the plugger was gonna leave the Saints at the end of '94 because why wouldn't you leave the Saints? Richmond, in very very ah. Richmondy fashion, way too confident about getting him. Uh, the three-year deal got leaked to the papers, and it was as good as done. However, the Saints and Tigers couldn't come to an agreement, and slipped through again to the Swannies. Swans do very well at the trade table. <laughs> a little bit understated this club. Um, in doing this research, I've worked at how dangerous your club is on the trade table, and it's terrifying. Uh, yeah, we, we always seem the Swans to, along the way. Yeah, we seem to get our um, trades done. Um, we set, set our goal out to get someone, and I think a lot of the time we get them, and yeah, it's, it's, I think it's really important for that your club to be able to pull off deals and you know get things done because that's where you know success comes from yeah you fucking came in and took Grundy and then also took James Jordan with you on the way out you ducks <laughs> yeah Clarky Melbourne <laughs> well, fumbled <laughs> Grundy let's be fair here okay <laughs> you, no you we fumb- didn't fumble him he didn't want to be there Jordan I, I, yeah. yeah he wasn't getting the minutes mm. well you, you delisted him when he, in his second year that's why he walked to the club no respect for Jimmy George. Put the hat back on. Go Swans. Yeah. He, he is the biggest watch this year. Watch out for James Jordan. Yeah, if he plays through your mid, though. I was really hoping that he, the dogs would get him. And there was talks that we were after him, we were sniffing around, but he ended up going to Sydney. I was really hoping he'd come to us. Now, I do have one yeah, more player for, sure. for you guys to guess. Yep, yeah, sorry. Alan. Enough about James Jordan. Alan Didak. Alan died. Alan died. <laughs> um, um, I'll, I'll say the dogs. I don't know though. I'm actually gonna gonna do a Uno reverse here. I'm gonna say Sydney. Uno yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Okay. Ring, rings a go bell now too. Now that you say it. But... Yeah. Go. You know what? Go with Sydney. Go with Sydney. That, Chris. Chris is right. Jesse would do that. <laughs> I, I would if I could. I originally, I was going to find all players that went to Sydney, but I couldn't find enough of them, so I had to mix it up. No, Alan Didek almost went to Port Adelaide. So Port uh. actually tried to grab Didek twice in the 2000s, once following interest from the Pies for Nick Stevens, who ended up at the Blues, obviously. Uh, in that deal, Port was demanding Didek and a first rounder in exchange for Nick Stevens. Um, and because of that, back in 08, when Port approached the Pies, the Pies sold the fuck off. Uh, and that deal then <laughs> went through, and he obviously stayed with the pies. So I think out of that, you guys got two out of three, but with the cola exemption, it goes up to three out of two. Uh, three, three out of five, sorry. So that's a win. Well done, everyone. <laughs> Good stuff. We'll take it. Another memorable quiz. Speaking of memorable <laughs> quizzes. Another memorable quiz. Well, I remember it. <laughs> it's been seconds, nice to remember it. Let's roll on to Chris's memorable moments. That needs a stinger. I'm going to make a, stinger, a little musical stinger for Chris's memorable moments. It does need a stinger. Well, yeah, sure. <laughs> Come 
Come on, Clarky, get on board. Oh, Clarky's uh, pissed he doesn't have a gonna, stinger. I've got quiz music. It's fantastic as well. My, my stinger is called the intro and outro, mate. <laughs> I'm not going to put one on this episode. <laughs> so, Chris, memorable moments. <laughs> well, we're going to take a look at some of Sydney's most memorable moments, of which there are plenty. You've uh, had quite a few really good moments over the last, but pretty much since the 2000s, I would say, in, in, the, in this modern era. We're going to kick things off with a huge game in the club's history. We're actually going to focus on a particular moment from that game. We're going all the way back to the 2005 semi-final against Geelong. Now, this game wasn't the prettiest game of AFL that you'll see. It was a dour, low-scoring affair at three quarter, and at three-quarter time, Sydney had kicked just three goals, twelve behinds. Yikes! Oof. To Geelong's six goals, eleven behinds, to be down by seventeen points. Now, the final quarter dished up more of the same, and with fifteen minutes to go, Geelong had kicked the only goal of the final quarter and had pushed it out to a twenty-three point lead. Things weren't looking good for the Swans' premiership push. They're in dire times. We're at risk of being completely blown away by the Cats. Enter Nick Davis. Nick Davis. Nick Davis. I see it, but I don't believe it. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good when Chris starts a memorable moment and I get to just watch our guests go, absolutely this one. (laughs) This is one. (laughs) Well, the crafty former Collingwood player kicked the next three goals. And suddenly there was just a three-point margin separating the teams. In the dying seconds of the game, there was a boundary throw in deep inside Sydney's forward 50. The ball was tapped down straight to a running Nick Davis, who slammed it on his boot, kicking his fourth unanswered goal and the Swans' an imaginable, un- unimaginable three-point lead. Just as the next centre bounce was performed, the siren rang out around the stadium and the Swans were through to a prelim final, having stolen victory from the jaws of defeat. Now, what is even more insane about this play is that the man himself, Nick Davis, has said that it was 100% a set play, that Paul Ruse had made them practice time and time again in the preseason in preparation for that specific scenario. He's also on record as saying that he was supposed to actually be blocking for Adam Schneider in the set play. However, when they were getting ready for the throw-in, Schneider told Davis to run and he would block as Davis was just on such a hot streak in that quarter. So he wasn't even supposed to be the one who was running past to get the ball. Debs, roughly how old were you at the time this game was played? Yeah, I remember it vividly. That That's for sure. So I was... <laughs> 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 old enough to have a beer after so I was 13 um, and my mum is a Geelong supporter so we were watching it down on the couch Ooh. and oh, I was no. I'd crack the shits right we're down by four goals <laughs> we were we were down by four goals and like we had to kick you know the best part of four and a half to five goals to win and to Nick Davis like Sort of, you know, one goes through, two goes through. We're half a chance. He kicks three, and we're down by a goal. Um, and, and then the Jason Ball tapped down to Nick Davis goals, and just I'm jumping around like an idiot. It was, um, it was so good. And fun, <laughs> funnily enough, um, we I was actually in Sydney last weekend for um, the 150th Guernsey launch for the club. They invited us up, and um, Nick Davis was there, and I was talking to him about it. And I just said, mate, that, that's just one of the best moments of um, 
been a Swan supporter and, and he loves it. And trust me, he still loves talking about it today. <laughs> how <laughs> how many beers do you think do. he's been bought specifically from that moment? Yeah, a few for sure. He hasn't he hasn't spent a cent <laughs> since on anything. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's amazing. I I didn't know it was a set play. I just sort of because it, it was like, it's an impressive goal. It's a really impressive goal. I yeah. know it was a set play. I was gonna say I don't think Paul Ruiz ever gets like quite enough credit for just how good he is as a coach. Like that's just to have that drilled into your players. And I know obviously Nick Davis, star of the moment, and it's you got to execute. But just to be like. This is what we worked for, boys. Like, imagine going back to the rooms and just being so smug and just like, <laughs> yeah, you're fucking glad we practiced that one. <laughs> for sure. Unbelievable. Well, we're going to move on to our next memorable moment. However, we're going to stay in that same 2005 season. Following on from Nick Davis's heroics in that semifinal, the Swans then disposed of St Kilda the following week in the prelim, found themselves in their first grand final since 1996. The game itself was a bit of a roller coaster. Sydney led by two points at quarter time, then 20 points at half time, and then back to two points again at three quarter time. And with just seconds remaining, the Swans were up by just four points. Sydney bombed it out of defense. However, the ball was cut off by West Coast big man Dean Cox. And with one last roll of the dice, he hoisted it inside their forward 50 where a massive pack had formed. A massive Eagles and Swans players all rose. However, it was Sydney backman Leo Barry who flew in from the side, somehow marking the ball before anyone else could, with the siren sounding out just seconds later. This moment inspired one of the most iconic commentary calls in AFL history, with Channel 10 commentator Stephen Quartermain exclaiming... Now, firstly, Debs, were you at the game? Actually, yes, were you at the game? Yes, I was at the game. Yeah. Oh, wow. We got a grand final <laughs> wow. attendee here, guys. Yeah, it was a- um, um, unbelievable. It was, yeah, you're probably a little bit young to really know what's going on, um, 12 years old. And, you know, the game was so close to and froze. And this, this sign jumper behind me, was actually Leo Barry organised that. I had a family friend who lived in Daniloquin, and that is where Leo Barry's from, and he actually got that signed for me. So I've got, it's wow. like, like I got a little got a little story oh, wow. about bloody everything amazing. at the moment. But um, yeah, it's um, <laughs> it, it was an amazing, um, um, amazing. It was actually going to go to somebody else, but Leo Barry jumped in front yeah. of him and grabbed it. <laughs> it's become such an iconic moment that it almost kind of became bigger than the grand final and the fact that Sydney had broke broken the longest drought in the history of the game. What was it like kind of being a young kid at the game and what was it? It was about a 70, 70-ish year drought that you guys had broken at that point. What was it like just being there? Was it just absolute mayhem? For all the South Melbourne supporters who have waited 72 years, <laughs> here it is. <laughs> That's how long it was, Chris. Um, but, yeah, it, it was unbelievable. Um, I still remember coming home and my nan um, lived with us for a long time and 
I, I remember coming home and she was in tears and it's like hadn't seen my nan cry too often and you know it meant a lot to a lot of people and 72 years is a long time to wait that's actually mm. beautiful that you yeah. got to have that moment with her as well i would also like to say leo barry you start so listeners if you don't know uh i will name drop co-host of Doc reynolds <laughs> for yeah for 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 a long time leo barry your star you're a star uh, you star, sorry, was in the intro for the Jock Reynolds. So it's been ingrained into my mind. And I think I've watched that moment like 50 times a year because it's just so iconic. Like the perfect moment for that kind of memorable call. Like it's the point of the game. Like everything about it is like a stars aligning once in a lifetime football moment. And also cool. Like Sydney and West have such a good rivalry for those few years. Like the. That was such a moment. I, I, I think that's one of the probably a top five grand final moment for me. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, Clark, you, you mentioned the, the Jock Reynolds podcast. When Chris said it before, I, in my head, played out the rest in my own head. I've got it sucked in now. <laughs> yeah. It said, look, the website's dead, listeners, but it was set to uh, Phil Collins in the head. And uh, yeah, it's. Ooh. Brings back. It's got a lot of mixed memories for me for that, but that's just like a top, top grand final moment of all time. Yeah, dead, dead set, phenomenal, and yeah. Moving on to our final memorable moment. This was a big one and a recent one. Now, I'm keen to not really talk about this one much myself, but rather just hear about your experience as a fan with this. I'm referring to Lance Buddy Franklin kicking his 1,000th goal. Now, I already know the answer to this, but for our listeners... Where were you when he kicked his thousandth goal? Yeah, so we we made our way up to Sydney. Um, my co-host Mads went up the so it was round two in what twenty twenty two, and he made the trip up for round one because he needed five goals at the start of the year. So he went up for round one. He yeah. only kicked the one in round one, which was great. We were both booked up to go round two. And then round three was down <laughs> in Melbourne. So it's like we had the first three rounds covered and it's like surely we see it. But set the scene um, we, with the podcast, we like to do a bit of a pregame meetup with the listeners. So we, we had our first pregame meetup back in 2022 uh, beers were flowing. We got across to the ground. Now, I was on the complete opposite side to where he kicked the goal, so the opposite um, forward flank. Um, so we were ages away. But, you know, just the the in the stadium that night, just that feeling and tension and excitement in wanting Buddy to kick all these goals was amazing. Like, I think he only kicked one in the first quarter and then – um, he started to get get going late in the second and in the third, um, and kicked it. Kicked his la the thousandth goal in the last quarter, and we just ran on. And you know, we got that cut. Like we, Mad, Mads actually touched his head, and then I was right behind Mads, <laughs> and there were just people everywhere. And it was absolute scenes. It was, it it's is the best football moment I've ever seen or ever been a part of. It doesn't mean as much as a grand final. But it's the best event I've ever been to. There's a there's a particular moment that <laughs> always sticks out in my mind from when that happened, and it was Chad Warner 
right after it as kind of fans were hugging him and he was crying saying, I kicked the ball to him. Like you could just see how much it meant to him that he was the one who delivered the pass to Buddy. <laughs> yeah, the, the Chad loved it. Um, we, we've had Chad on the podcast and we've spoken about it and, um, yeah, it was phenomenal and just, yeah, what what a thing to be a part of. Yeah, was it um- – was Ollie Florin and uh, Chad yeah, Warner as well? Yeah, they got stuck outside, outside the ground. The ground. <laughs> and then I think it was because uh, they were playing yeah. Geelong, right? Yeah, I believe. No, it was in Sydney. Yeah, against Geelong. Yeah. Oh yes, yeah, yes, yeah, they were playing Zach Tui Chris absolutely cleaned the motherfucker up, and his phone and keys and wallet just exploded <laughs> out of him. And it's like there's that video of him running back to give it back to him. <laughs> the plays, and then like this went worldwide. This footage because it's just. There is no other sport. It's one of those moments that proves that AFL is the greatest sport in the world. There's no other sport that could do that um, because of just the situation it was. And also, for safety concerns, I did think that everyone on the ground was going to get COVID at that time. Um, but I love <laughs> that they had to come back like 40 yeah. minutes later to play about nine minutes of football. Did you go back into yeah. the stands and watch the yeah. last nine minutes? Yeah, of course, of course, yeah. So it took like 45 minutes <laughs> for the ground to clear um, and then, yeah, it was back into it. The game was iced, we were up by six goals and, yeah, it was great. But that vision from the bird's eye looking at the ground when everyone swarms on, it's it's absolute scenes, loved it. Well, I'm glad that footage is good because the other footage from behind the goals where that where person <laughs> stands up, a once-in-a-lifetime <laughs> moment, ruined by bad camera placement. <laughs> Look, a lot of people had to go at her. I'm like, she's allowed to stand up. I would have stood up as well. That camera probably shouldn't have been there. Nah, just get that person Johnson out of the way. Jeez. <laughs> I do have to ask. Now, with the run on, when you felt like it was going to happen, was it pretty clear that there was nothing stopping the crowd from surging on? Like, was security just a bit back like, I'm just... <laughs> We're just like five dudes in like a fifth, like a, a longer thirty meter. Yeah, fence. exactly. Like it was gates shit. open, everyone on. But yeah, we were a little bit back, so it's not like we were the first ones pushing them down. But you see the vision before Buddy kicks the ball. There's people on the ground. Like if he yeah. missed that, um, you know, who knows what would have happened? But yeah, don't have to worry. A about million dollars worth of fines. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, look, credit to the um security, I guess, which I'm not going to give credit to very often, but. When they know that people are going to run onto the ground, no matter what they do, the sh- they do shift to, well, what's the safest way for them to do it? It's not jumping over the fence, open up the gates, guide people down, and then guide them back up. So uh, that was good to see them actually letting people on the ground when he was lining up for the kick, because he was always going to hit that goal. Like, the moment was there. It was it was all his. Uh, it's also one of the things you, you show people who are just like, because there are still people who think the Buddy Franklin move to Sydney was a, a failure, which it wasn't. You just show them that footage and how much hype they got for Sydney and how many people signed up to become Sydney members and how much more interest they got in New South Wales for football. And, I mean, Australia-wide, 100% a win. Like, what a great man for this game. Love, Buddy. Put the hat back on. No, anyone who brings up that. Buddy Franklin was a failure. It's just, you know, he played in three losing grand finals for us. So, um, yeah, that that's it. He won that many. Ga- he, he won that many games off that his bad. own boot. He was phenomenal. Yeah, usually usually against Essendon. Thanks. Hats <laughs> come back off against most clubs. I think that the it's annoying that the argument that the Buddy Franklin move was a failure is based purely on that they didn't win a flag while he was there. And it's so like, much well, more. I mean, he's he's one player for one. Like he's 
he's not just going out there winning a flag by himself, but like, he did a hell of a lot for the club. He he was he still goes down as an absolute club legend. It's not like he went to the club and all of a sudden his career turned turned to shit. Like he was still amazing there. I I only think of Buddy as a Sydney player. Yeah, to be I love that. Honest. I forget he played. I love that too. Yeah. It's the best having him having him second. It's um yeah, you'll go down in Blood's history. That's for sure. Oh yeah. That brings us to the end of our memorable moments. I will hand back over to Clarky for the Falkenstein. <laughs> the Falkenstein is that <laughs> is that what time it is, Chris? Let's <laughs> now, listeners. It's Fal. It's Frankie Akakakis. I, I saw your say. little opening to Falcon theme just come into your head, laugh second there, you lit up your eyes like, oh, there's, there's not really much for me to introduce Chris in the name yeah. of the segment. I'm just going to tell you how to, it works. About. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Falcon, as, as a listener pointed out to me uh, in Lek Dog, shouldn't it be Falkenstein's monster? Absolutely Fuck not. You, Lek. <laughs> It's Falcon. I feel, I feel like we need a Lek Dog name counter on each episode. It's like five episodes in a row that he's been mentioned on now. I'll never speak of him again until he comes <laughs> back on the show. Listeners, if you haven't listened to a Falconstein before, we build the ultimate Sydney player. Now we use that we do that by using parts of different players, both present and existing and previously played for. Now we do that by breaking it down into the head, which is vibes and hair. A body, which is their tackles and strength. Arms, which represents their marks and handballs. Legs, which is their kicking and running ability. And then we sprinkle in some modifiers right on top of that. Uh, similar to your NBA 2Ks with badges, but it's usually cooked. <laughs> <laughs> this is the part where... Now, the show gets a little bit loose. And if you thought, Clarky, what are you talking about? The show was already loose before that. Proper, proper it, it slackens up a lot more, baby. <laughs> It's like the end of an A24 yeah. film. We start off with the head, vibes and hair. Now, I'm taking all suggestions. I usually go to the guest <laughs> first. So, Deebs, do you have any suggestions of what parts could represent this Sydney oh, player's do you, do you vibes go like and a, hair? a Barry Hall shaved head just for oh. you know, that, that grunt oh. on field, that, that aggression? Everyone's scared of Barry Hall, you know? Well, is the vibe you're going for, I'm going to fucking kill you? Because if so, Barry Hall's a good <laughs> shout. Yeah, I'm gonna put you in a headlock and not let go. Yeah, let's let's <laughs> go with get, that. Like Barry Hall's <laughs> head, so a circle, and then Dane Rampy's little moustache, so he looks like a 1920s weightlifter. I'm okay. <laughs> okay. I, I do just have to I do just have to say, like I was looking at the the current Sydney playing list earlier, and I'm, I'm looking at it again now. You have a very generic looking playing list at the moment. There are no like interesting looking players on the Sydney team. They're all just very like default skin, basically. Handsome oh, we got jo- we got the Armadi party. He's got the you know the cornrows going on at the moment, and you know, interesting. Actually, yeah, that's that's, a, that's probably Armadi. the one good call that's on there. Yeah, but now apart from that, yeah. Marty's gonna be such a good player as well. Now he's um excited for what Armadi can do. You had to ship in a uh, top knot with Brody Grundy. Like, that's how desperate you were for an interesting haircut of the team. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so... And whose mustache Dane Rampy, on, Jesse? who, as an Essence supporter, I... Look, I love your team. I hate Dane Rampy. You can't climb the... God. Anyway. Dane Rampy <laughs> has a moustache, but so does Jake Lloyd. And Lloyd, yeah. Jake Lloyd is very slutty. Do you think that Jake Lloyd's very slutty? <laughs> Jake's, Jake Lloyd's moustache is very slutty, yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't mishear yeah, that. 
Um, okay, so we'll yeah, have okay. Barry Hall's hair. That's fine. That will fuck you up, and Jake Lloyd's moustache that will fuck you. Um, yeah, exactly. You know what? We, we haven't had a, We haven't made a sexy player yet. Let's fucking do this. Okay. <laughs> hey, you you take that back. The the Fremantle Raptor. Oh, okay. <laughs> Get his claws into you, baby. We'll move on to the body, the tackles, and strength. Gentlemen, who do we think embodies Sydney's tackling and strength? Oh, look, if you're just being generic, it's got to be Jimmy Rowbottom, um, tackling oh, machine yes. last year. Oh, I, th- yes. I think he uh, – a Sydney record, I'm pretty sure, last year of most tackles in a season overtook Jude Bolton from uh, years gone past. But, um, yeah, go, have to go Rowie, I think. Because I, I was going to mention Jude Bolton, but no, if, if Rowbottom's overtaken him – Holy shit, go James Robot, and that's no easy feat mm. there. Um I I am worried that um Barry Hall's head on James Robottom's body, we are making a bobble head, but it's gonna be a slutty bobble head. <laughs> so I'm kind of okay with that. <laughs> Absolutely, it's building nicely for mine. <laughs> I'm at the half chub and we're only halfway through, so we can get the full one at the end. <laughs> All right, so we've got Robottom. Let's move on to the arms, marks and handballs. Um, Jeez, who's been a good grab over the years? Um, Can I suggest Adam Goods? Yeah, Ripper. Ripper. Great set of hands. For and sure. plus, good. I mean, Rock, like he, yeah. he could tap yeah. as well. Yeah, you, you know, just for aesthetics, you could nearly go Josh Kennedy. Like just the, the shoulders Ooh. and arms on Josh Kennedy, like phenomenal. Well, look, just to clarify, in the past, we have, I think um, for the Richmond episode, we had the arms made out of five different players. So you can pick different attributes. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I believe there was a... Uh... We had hands, wrist, forearm, elbows, shoulder, knees and toes. There was there was palms as well. I think I think this is a first, but I, I will go back to the Richmond Falcons and we go, we had the right palm of Jack Rewalt, Nick Vlosten's left palm, the knuckles of Alex Rance, the wrists of Shane Edwards, and the arms of Jacob Townsend. So, really, yeah, for sure, there's no limit. Well, you could have um, Heath Grundy or Reg Grundy, as he was known, his fist, because um, that, that's all about he did. <laughs> he just punched from behind all day, and he was slow, but, geez, he played a role for us for a long time. I've got Adam Go- the abilities of Adam Goods. The aesthetics of Josh Kennedy yeah. <laughs> and like Heath Grundy's fist. Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw gonna throw something else out there. I don't know if this is for marks or if it's a modifier, but the Leo Barry U star. I mean, it's one of the most iconic marks in history. Yeah, it's got to be the hand. Um, it needs to be a modifier, and it needs to be the, the Leo Barry star. And it's like when you're playing Super Mario and you get the star. Like it's it's like a power. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm happy with that. Should we move on to legs, kicking, and running ability? Oh, well, you've got to have Errol Gordon's left foot. Wasn't Buddy a left um, footer? Oh, yeah. I've got a feeling Buddy may kick a few more goals than Errol Gordon would. <laughs> like, I love Gordon. Great super coach to get. But I think Buddy may have something to say about that. Yeah, for sure. But just the the pure the pureness of Errol Gordon's left foot and the enjoyment I get when he pulls off a short 45 or a long 45, it's, um, that, that's something that'll uh, send blood to areas. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
because I don't see where else we could put Buddy in, can we go back to the head? Can we get younger Buddy Franklin's jawline? Because I sure. think I think with that jawline and and Barriel's <laughs> noggin, it's going to look like you know when people draw handsome Squidward from um SpongeBob. I think it's going to have that sort of aesthetic to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I, mind it. That chubs at seventy five percent. There's. <laughs> there is also just in terms of kicking. There is also a little player named Tony Lockett oh, who yeah, was in there as well. Who? Famous Richmond player. Never heard of him. <laughs> yeah, he can he can have the right leg. Errol Gordon's left. Tony Lockett's right. I love how lopsided. I like how lopsided that is. <laughs> Excellent. So we're on to the modifiers now. I, look, I have a, a few. So do I. <laughs> the modifiers seem to be everyone's favourite bit. I feel like there's a f- there's a few with Sydney. There's a few. Get, with I get scared. <laughs> All right. So look, I'll just point it out now. I've already got the Leo Barry star. Uh, the one the ones that I had written down was uh, Brett Kirk's commentary intro. I had that as well. But how do we use that? How how was that used? You, you just put it in a speech bubble up the top, and and you, <laughs> yeah. you have the thing. <laughs> Stuff in it. What he says. Can this per this? this it's it's a drawstring. You pull it and he just says it. <laughs> okay, so you have this drawstring at the back of him and you pull it and he just says the whole thing. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Basil. <laughs> We're a bunch of unique individuals. <laughs> <laughs> can you, wait, can you do the whole thing? Do you know it off the top of your head? No, nah, I can't. Oh. I don't know it, but yeah. <laughs> um. The other ones that I had was uh, that the player should be carrying around Brent Staker's jaw. Yeah, hidden Barry. Like a trophy around its neck. Yeah, yeah, yeah like on a necklace. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm down for that. Like, no, not the jaw, how about just like the teeth? <laughs> yeah, or or just works. the knocked out face, like a, on, a, on a little pendant. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's wearing Brent Staker's face like in Hannibal. Sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> can we can we slow down? Oh god, can keep up. Yeah. Uh, Brent Staker's jaw <laughs> on a necklace. Yeah, on a, <laughs> on a necklace on a pendant. <laughs> right here. Jaw yeah. Uh, the last yeah. one that I had. Now this could be this could go one of two ways. It could either be a pet. I know where you're going with this. Or the the player could be half of this, but the plugger pig. Oh, you've gone a different way. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought you were going There's another pet. Can the plugger pig sit on his shoulder like a Dax from Jack and Daxter? Like he's like his like pal. Yeah, like a little teacup pig. Oh, like a little teacup pig. Maybe it talks. Yeah, as long as you can see the plugger written on it, no issues. Everyone knows it is, yeah. Kind of think like you Groot and Rocket Raccoon. Yes. Yeah. That's the end of my modifiers. I have. Well done, Chris. That's some, that was some good modifiers there. I have one that will completely redesign this person. Of course I do. No, you, of course you <laughs> do. Nick Blakey has a very unique nickname. Oh, no. They call him the Lizard. Now, yeah. we have had many men and beasts we've created. Again, not to go back into everything, but we've created uh, dinosaurs. We've created a meat wagon, uh, various <laughs> everything, a train. We've never had a Lizard. We've had a dinosaur, but we haven't the had a G-train. lizard. Oh, God, the train. How do we incorporate a lizard into this? Or is this player a lizard? Maybe when it gets the Leo Barry star, it turns into a lizard, like a Godzilla. 
Yeah, it's like killer croc. Kill croc. You can, just yeah, okay. you can, you can okay. incorporate the frill around the neck, and then you know that's like, that comes out when he's like, Ooh, oh, that's a good one. Frill. Yeah, I like that. Okay, could yeah. you imagine seeing yeah, um, a Barry Hall walking down the street lopsided, <laughs> and out of defense, he throws up a frill? Like you're already frill, fucking <laughs> scared. While, he, while he's got a jaw and a necklace around his neck, I like oh, this. This guy's gonna look a bit like um, Craven the Hunter. I like this. This is definitely the most intimidating one that we've made. <laughs> Except for Errol Gordon's little yeah. leg. Yeah. <laughs> and a cute little pig. <laughs> What's, um, which ones, did you guys, any of you guys watch Digimon? I, I had a Digimon. Clark, you look at me, I'm a piece of shit. Of course I watch Digimon. Yeah. Wasn't there one, Angemon, wasn't there one yes. that was, yeah, that was just an, I, that's what I picture when you say. Clark, don't act like you didn't know. Don't try this. I know you well enough. Oh, yeah, maybe Angemon, maybe. No, I wasn't a Digimon guy. I know your soul. Wasn't a Digimon guy, my man. I don't believe it. Folks at home, (laughs) make up your own mind. Deeds, were there any other um, modifiers you would like to add? No, it's pretty, you've done pretty well there. And and it was a a hard um, hard thing to. It's so polite from our guests. (laughs) It was a hard thing to wrap my head around, but the more it came together, the more it made sense to me. But no, no modifiers for you. Well, sometimes you need somebody. Who um, to read through all these points in very quick fashion, which I've for some reason started doing. So I'll do that in a moment. I'm gonna finish my drink. Yeah, I added in a couple at the end there. Um, you kind of add in your own. Yeah, yeah. You, you guys were busy talking. Share with the class. Actually, I, I quite, I quite like your last one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cool. I like one of your last ones. I'm gonna include one of your last ones. What? They're so, both good. The Sydney Football Club. Falcon Scene, or Falcon Scene's monster if you're if, if you're nasty. You're like. <laughs> the head, you got Barry Hall's bulbous noggin, okay? But you have Jake Lloyd's slighted little moustache. What's hiding under there? Probably another little tongue, a little slot that he has. But he was a buddy Franklin's jawline. When he was younger, making some sort of handsome Squidward aesthetic. I know, you're chubbing up right now. The body, Robottom. You would think you'd go somewhere else, but the Robottom, under, understated, underrated. You move on to the arms. You got some great arms in Sydney. You start off with Josh Kennedy's Luscious, broad shoulder aesthetic. Adam Good's long arms, handballs, tap Ruckman, okay? Then you got Heath Grundy's fist because you're not, this player is not playing, okay? And he will knock you down. The legs, yeah, sure. This guy's a little bit uh, skew with, if you will, because you have Plugger's beastly right peg, okay? Thing is like a tree trunk. And then you have Errol Goulden's pure left foot, innocent boy leg. Which uh, sends blood to Deeb's areas on use. <laughs> it's a small leg, but it's getting other legs bigger. <laughs> now, this player has a flurry of modifiers that turns this thing into a real, real beast of a thing. You got the Leo Barry Star. If you've played a Super Mario game, you know that things are going to give him a bit of a boost. And that boost is going to be turning into a turning him into a lizard, giving him the big thrill. And that's when you know that he's a danger to you. Or well, you already knew because it's got Barry Hall's head. Brett. Kirk's spice-induced prescience. Prescience. <laughs> You're gonna have to explain your terminology here, there, Clarky. Because you've so, thrown. So, hang on, no, no. So, I've been reading Dune, and part two is coming out soon. Uh, prescience. Clarky, you know your is- job here is to write down what we say. Are you gonna let me explain it, or are you gonna? Dune's been written. That's fine. <laughs> so, it's the ability to see in the future, which is the only thing that can explain Brett Kirk's ability to say that people are connecting with hearts and minds. That's not what we said. He- Guy has a ripcord at the back like a like like Woody from Toy Story. Okay, <laughs> that's fine. Move on. Fucking Dune, mate. 
And he had the Gomja bar on you. I watched it recently. It's fantastic. Um, on his shoulder, you have a talking teacup uh, plugger pig who gives him advice, love advice, mainly because of his slight little moustache. This play isn't all about love. You've also got Brett Staker's jaw. What's left of it? There's still probably a little bit of meat hanging from it, hanging from a pendant around his, ne- around his neck, okay? As a warning, as a trophy. Who yeah, knows? He's earned it. Uh, and then, of course, being a Sydney football club, a well-attuned moral compass and respect for all people. <laughs> okay, so it may look scary, but it's got a heart of gold. And that is your Sydney Falkenstein. Very good. Did we, did we forget the frill neck? I apologize. Frill please. neck of Blakey? Is that? No, oh, the it was frill in neck there. comes out when you have the star. You did. You didn't mention the frill neck. That's yeah. The frill neck is connected to the star. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Well done, everyone. That's great. So, this brings us to the final question of the podcast. Deebs, I want you to tell us what do you want to see from Sydney in twenty twenty four. Uh, it's pretty clear what Sydney need to do this year, Clarkie. It's rectify our contested ball um, and clearance numbers um, in the middle of the ground. Uh, I think that's why we just sort of scraped into um, finals last year and didn't compete great against the top sides because they used to they were overpowering us in the middle. But um, I think we've recruited really well to fix those issues. You've brought in an A-grade ruckman in Brody Grundy. Uh, you've brought in uh, Taylor Adams, who will play pure midfield, um, contested bull in there. And I think um, James Jordan will spend a fair bit of time in there as well. Um, but, yeah, that's that's what we need to fix um, to go to the next level this year. And I think if we can keep everyone on the, on the park, um, obviously – Luke Parker out for, you know, six to eight weeks um, with the broken arm, Millsy with the torn labrum till um, probably halfway through the season. If we can, you know, get to, get some nice wins um, going into the sort of halfway point and we're sitting in the positive, um, we can really make um, a good run at a, at a top four run. That's what I'd like to see um, to finish top four by the end of the year. Just quickly... Because the Luke Parker news is quite fresh, it only only came out this morning, there's a lot of talk around who kind of gets the spot in the midfield. Who, in your opinion, kind of gets those extra midfield minutes with Parker being out? Yeah, well, I think in most people's sort of round 20, so first round of this year in the best side, um, a lot don't have Angus Sheldrick sitting in there. But with Luke Parker... um, making way for sort of six to eight weeks, whatever it's going to be. I think Gus Sheldrick's going to get his um, go in the middle. We saw some great signs last year um, before he got injured um, and missed the rest of the year um, from about probably round 14 onwards he missed. Um, but he showed a lot. He's, uh, he's a bit of a meatball in there, you know, short, powerful, um, that that type of thing. So I think Gus get, will get some good midfield minutes um, in the first half of the season. I've got the Swans in my top four. I've got you guys finishing about third. I, I've, got, I've got a feeling it's going to be a really big season for the Swans. Even with Mills and Parker out, I think that's in the kind of duration of the season won't be the worst thing because you, you're going to have to push players like you know Sheldrick, Robot, and Florent. Like They'll rotate. Jimmy Jordan will rotate a bit through the middle. You guys have had such a dominant midfield and set midfield for so long that a lot of these players who should be playing a bit more in the mids haven't had a chance to just because of the form of your team. This will give them a bit of a chance, hone their skills a little bit. They'll be better for it. So then when you've got 
Mills and Parker back in, they'll go back to where they normally play, but they'll have those additional skills. Um, and also they'll have a bit more of a connection with Grundy, no matter where he is on the ground. So I, I think it's actually going to turn out to be a pretty good season for the Swans, hence the hat. Yeah. I've got it just in case. Yeah, well, I think that's being successful as a footy team, it's all about keeping a, keeping a healthy list. Um, and we wouldn't want to be losing too many more out of that midfield, uh, that's for sure. But especially with Luke Parker being out for eight weeks, um, eight weeks plus, you know, it's it's not the worst thing for a player who, you know, is 31, played 280 games. And I think he was really laboring towards the end of last season as well. He went forward um, against Carlton in that final. Um, and I reckon Parks wasn't right in that back end of the year. So I think this extended break could be awesome for Parks and he comes back, um, you know, round six, round seven, round eight, whatever it is, um, and can really play his best footy and and be dominant because he had had a really nice patch of footy sort of early to mid last year. And if he can recapture that form, you know, along with Millsy, who I think will just be doing everything um, to get back as soon as he can. Um, And Millsy at his best is an A-plus midfielder, the best two midway mid two-way runner um, in the comp, we reckon. Um, you know, he works defensively well, can attack, can hit the scoreboard. Um, he, he's pure class. We call him the Rolls-Royce because that's how, um, you know, how he gets it done on the field. So getting those two back, uh, we'll be super confident, you know, leading into the back end of the year. Deeps, can you tell our fine listeners where they can find all of his stuff and where they can find the True Bloods podcasts? Yeah, for sure, mate. We're on on your Instagrams, on your Facebooks, um, at True Bloods Podcast. Um, you can click the link tree um, through it, either of those sites, and see all, all our socials. I try to put up some TikToks and a um, bit of action on Twitter as well. So um, c- try to cover all the bases on the socials um, and at all good spots. Uh, podcast providers on your Spotify, on your Apple podcast and all good providers. So um, if there's any Swannies listeners out there, um, jump on and support the potty. And look, I'm just going to say, I've been listening to your podcast all day as a non-Swan supporter and it's still good. It's just good football chat. So even if you're not a Swan supporter, give it a go. I mean, I'm going to continue to listen. I really, really enjoyed it. So you guys have a great show. Clarky, just before you go into the outro, I do want to bring something up. Chris. I think you have an update for the listeners, the keen listeners who have been keeping up to date with this saga of yours. Please, tell us about your smoke detector. You threw me off there because I had no idea what you were going, what you were going with. It took me, uh, it took me a second. <laughs> when you were like, you've and got deeps, an update, I was like, no hey, wait, what's, what's going happening? on? Yeah. Well, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll fill in <laughs> listeners who haven't known. Since now, uh, at the Falcon, we count uh, weeks in football teams. So I'm going to say since about Fremantle. Chris has had a beeping that would happen every now and then in the background of his audio. And it came to light that it was his smoke detector. The battery had run flat and this father of two didn't know how to change the battery. <laughs> so every now and then he would either hope we uh, forgot about it or lie to us and say that it's, been, it's fixed. No, it, it was never the battery's been changed. It was, it's fixed. It's fixed. The, I would I would like to agree with the the part that always got me was the outright lie where he's going I fixed it. I never I never said it was fixed. I was very honest. No, there was you no said lying. That you poked it with a stick. Yes, we found a stick that we could use to push the button, which would stop it for twelve hours. I've never never shied away from that fact. 
all right, Oppenheimer, okay, you're a great inventor, but Christopher, there has been, I would like to think, a resolution here. Yeah. Please fill in, fill in the fans. I changed the battery. Yeah, hey. yeah you did, buddy. I'm so pr- <laughs> genuinely proud of you. Now, I do have a few questions to ask, okay? Yeah. Because you say that you changed the battery. I saw the photo you posted. Was that your partner holding it open and you putting the battery in? Were you both no, no. It, like as a team? No, it was just me because I had to get up on a bloody dining chair to do it. Who took the photo? Uh, Jade did. All right. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm going to go back to that photo because a very, very dramatic setup you had then with that camera. Um, secondly, <laughs> was it a new battery or have you taken that battery out of something else? Because this is something that you would 100% do. Have you taken it out of one of your kids' toys <laughs> and put it in the room? <laughs> No, I did go looking for a battery in one of the toys, but couldn't find one that, that matched. <laughs> <laughs> so I so you up, bought a battery. I bought a two pack, so I've got a, I've got one Whoa, the next time it goes black. Hey. Yeah. Wait, how many smoke detectors are in your house? Only one. Okay, cool. Well, um, it's a, the season twenty twenty six. Watch out. The thing I will say is that it was a little bit complicated at first. <laughs> Purely because everyone was saying just twist it. And I was standing on this dining chair, twisting it for like five minutes. Like, why is it not budging? Turned out it had a little button on the side. I didn't realize. You press the button and it flips open. I'm, I'm not editing that science out. Riveting. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, I love you, buddy, but you're a <laughs> dumb fuck. <laughs> and with that great conclusion, Chris, can you also tell the listeners where they can find you? Um, Don't come to my house. Um, Burns Ward. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Manly just Twitter, uh, at Lowry underscore 16. And Jesse, where can our fabulous listeners find you? I'm on Twitter and actually using Instagram a lot more, but at Jesse Spanner. Beautiful. And I'm at Quantum JC. And I also have a super coach podcast, the Footy Mailbag. We're at Footy Mailbag on Instagram and Twitter. Now, listeners, this is the part of the show where. Did you mention out? Did you mention the um, Falcon Twitter? Oh, yeah, that's right. You can find the Falcon on Twitter and Instagram at FalconFootyPod. So, listeners, if you listen to us all the way through, you owe us. You owe us. So, go to your podcast platform of choice, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to us, and give us a rating. Write us a review. It really helps us a lot with engagement and getting our podcast out into as many listeners as possible. And I would say do the same for Deebs and the guys over at True Bloods Podcast because they do great work. And we want to support them. And supporting creators is fun because it means there's more voices in the space. Good voices as well. Yeah. Because there's a lot of prick voices. Yeah, that's it. Support good podcasts like True Bloods and The Falcon. And we'll see you next week, listeners. Goodbye. Bye. See ya.